the final crossover Thursday of 2023, and I get to do it with my boy, Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks. Let's go. You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in Crossover Thursday. It's finally here. Week 18, Alex Clancy, Corbin Smith. Locked on Cardinals for me. Locked on Seahawks. For Corbin, thanks for making Locked on Cardinals and Seahawks your respective first listen each and every day. Free wherever you get your podcast. And on YouTube, two teams with different trajectories to end the 2023 season. Uh, we're going to have some discussions here about some bigger picture things for both teams. I know Corbin's fired up. Uh, we were talking before we started recording. So uh, I'm really excited to hear what he has to say uh, about a couple topics that we will get to. We'll obviously do the biggest storylines, key matchups, past the victory, like we do for every Crossover Thursday. This episode of Crossover Thursday is brought to you by Prize Picks. Like, Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Sure. But also, it's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code all lowercase LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Corbin, team on the precipice of making the playoffs or not, the Arizona Cardinals have their trip to Cancun already booked, and they're going to be looking towards 2024. But for my listeners, can we please discuss the season of excitement, tumult, and everything in between for the Seattle Seahawks that has gotten us up until this point with them coming to State Farm Stadium in Week 18 to play the final game of the year. Alex, it feels like it's mostly been tumultuous because you look at the expectations for this team, and they started 5-2. and two. I mean, this looked like a dark horse contender in the NFC, and then for a second straight year, the ship has been sank by a run defense that is just plain atrocious. And you mentioned the Cardinals having a trip booked to Cancun. I think the Seahawks defensive players already were there last weekend. <laughs> I don't think that those were actually the players on the field in uniform. I think they found other football players that look like them and put them in uniform because that's the only explanation I can have for the effort that I saw against the Pittsburgh Steelers this past weekend. I mean, give the Steelers credit. They ran the ball hard. They played with physicality. But this defense for the Seahawks, I have never used this four-letter word before under Pete Carroll, but they quit. They quit early. They got punched in the mouth by Najee Harris and that offensive line, and they didn't fight back. They made business decisions. They took a rain check when they just needed to win their last two games to get in the playoffs. It's not as if there was, you know, there was high stakes in this game. It just, you don't see this from a Pete Carroll coach team. And that has created a lot of really interesting discussions that quite frankly, I think have to be had for this organization right now. This team was expected to be a double digit win team that had a top five offense and improved defense the offense is playing better as of late, but the defense, 
they're letting teams run the ball on them left and right. The Steelers are on the field for like 800 minutes in the last game, it felt like. <laughs> so Geno Smith is on the sideline. They're playing keep away from Geno Smith because he's playing outstanding football the last three or four games. And it hasn't mattered because this defense is so bad. And the effort and the lack of desire, the lack of physicality, and maybe, maybe the most alarming – the lack of toughness. And these are just not characteristics you see from Pete Carroll coach right. teams. And so I think the discussion that's in Seattle right now, is Pete Carroll safe for next year? Are the Seahawks going to go into another season with him? Just changing coordinators again, when that hasn't worked internally, there's a lot of discussions that have to be had and, you know, they can still make the playoffs this weekend, but I think playoffs are not with what we've seen this year. There's going to be big changes, whether that includes Pete Carroll or not. Uh, that remains to be seen, but all discussions need to be open right now. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, and the antithesis of that in pretty much every way was the Week 17 win by the Arizona Cardinals in Philly at the link uh, against a team that nobody picked them to beat. I didn't pick them. I thought they lose by three touchdowns. You know, and the Cardinals get a win. They have a new head coach. They hit that hard reset. They have a new GM. They have a lot of unknowns going into the future. But as I've said on my podcast a lot, the restrictor plate is now removed with Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury gone. So now possibilities are endless, which is something that the organization of the Arizona Cardinals have never really had. They've always been hamstrung by one thing or another. And now it is a complete hard reset, rebuild Arizona Cardinals 2.0. And I'll tell you what, it feels phenomenal. And I understand with the Seahawks, you're in that purgatory of the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, where it's like, it's never so bad that you need to fire Pete Carroll. And that's also the Achilles heel where it's like, look around with all the bad coaching and the coaching carousel every year. And you have old faith with John Snyder, who learned how to draft, you know, recently. And you have, um, you have Pete Carroll where it's like it could be so much worse. And that's why it's difficult looking into the mirror where it's like, what's the right decision? Now, if, if say, you know, Seattle wins, and we'll talk about Path to Victory, things like that. Uh, key matchup, here's a little tease. The Cardinals' run game has been absolutely insane over the last couple of weeks. And with a bad rush attack, that could be a path to victory for the Cardinals. We'll discuss that later. But let me just ask you about this. Like, is this true? Because this is how I see it, especially – NFC West foe, uh, what Seattle's done. I saw some highlights from Seattle's win over the Packers a couple years or a handful of years ago now, almost 10 years ago, where they came back the onside kick that that uh, that Seattle recovered, and then the Javon Curse or Jermaine Curse touchdown catch at the end. Once they make the playoffs, nobody wants to play Seattle ever. It doesn't matter who the who the quarterback is, doesn't matter who the defense is. Is that still a trust inherent thing with Pete Carroll if they make the playoffs they're going to be in good shape no I think it's the polar opposite I I think if the Seahawks make the play now here's the thing they could be dangerous because of the players they have on their roster yeah if Geno Smith gets the football in his hands and he can get the ball to his receivers they showed this against the Cowboys they had the Cowboys beat on Thursday night a few weeks back the 49ers game, the second 49ers game with Drew Locke under center, they were ahead for a decent chunk of the first half. They have looked good at times against these elite teams. But the problem is then I got to go back to what I watched. You know, I'm getting my plumbing fixed in my house, and it might be because of what I had to watch on Sunday afternoon. That was one of the most atrocious defensive performances imaginable. I mean, we know the Legion of Boom is not here anymore. But right. still, you've got so much money and draft picks and all these things invested in this defense. And somehow, they are worse than they were last year. 
when they were 25th in scoring defense. They're actually 24th this year, but their run defense is 30th. They've been the worst by landslide since week 11. They might as well have had Matador capes out there on their uniforms on Sunday. It was that bad. So seeing that performance, and as I mentioned, the effort, the lack of effort, the lack of toughness, the lack of physicality, like if they have to play the Cowboys again on the road, or they've got to play the even the Eagles playing them a second time. You got lucky and beat them the first time. Imagine up, you got to play the Lions again. They beat them in week two, but you got to go back to Detroit. Like the potential matchups they could have in the first round, all are spooky. Like this is not the oh Marshawn Lynch and company are traveling in the playoffs and they've got the good run game. I mean, this is the 29th ranked run game in the NFL too. They've got a boatload of problems for a team that should be much better than what they are. So, no, yeah. I don't think they'd be a scary team if they slip into the playoffs. Damn. 29th? I did not know that. With Kenneth Walker, Zach Sharman, I know there's been injuries and things like that. Like, there always seems to be in the backfield there in Seattle. Well, let's pivot to the key matchups. There's a couple that are right off the top of my head that I'm like, well, we could do two hours just on these two matchups and what it means, you know, for the future of both teams, not just through Week 18. We'll cut it to 10 minutes, and uh, we'll hit the key matchups next. Alex Clancy, Corbin Smith, crossover Thursday, locked on Cardinals, locked on Seahawks. Like Seahawks, if I can speak. We will be right back. This episode of Crossover Thursday is brought to you by BetterHelp. So um, in the winter months, you know, not as much sun. It can just be a time where, you know, things come up you know, past things with family, past things, you know, around just around the holiday time in general. And, you know, especially around New Year's, like we get obsessed with, you know, changing ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. And, you know, maybe you finally organize one part of your space and you want to tackle another, something like that. We just tend to be harder on ourselves at times. And if you've benefited from therapy before, you know this already, but therapy helps. You know, if you're thinking of, just working on yourself a little bit, giving yourself a break, talking things out. Therapy is a beautiful way to start. Okay. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, you got to give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And all you do is you just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. As we go into 2024, visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. Crossover Thursday, Alex Clancy, Locked on Cardinals, Corbin Smith, Locked on Seahawks. Thank you for making Locked on Cardinals and Locked on Seahawks your first respective listen each and every day, free wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team Every day. Before we get into key matchups, I do want to let you know that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24 7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On Plus, our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel. Locked On continuing to just shatter barriers and do things that no platform has ever done before. Um, one thing that, you know, hasn't really ever been done before, at least over the last decade, is the Cardinals and Seahawks having a boring Week 17 or Week 18 matchup. It's always weird between these two teams. It's kind of an NFC West. Every 
team in the NFC West has a different relationship with the other team in the NFC West when they play them. And I think you just dubbed this one a weird one. It was the 9-6 Stephen Hauschka game that ruined Stephen Hauschka forever. Stephen Hauschka was my favorite kicker ever. Favorite kicker ever. Even when he went to Buffalo. Favorite kicker ever. And that Thursday night, I think it was Thursday night, where there were a bunch of missed field goals. That's just, that's the Seahawks and the Cardinals matchup in a nutshell. And when we go into week 18, teams are playing for different things. Fringe playoff for, for uh, the Seahawks. And the Cardinals are playing for pride, playing for, playing to find what players they have on their team that will be a part of this new regiment, this new, you know, this new regime for the Cardinals moving forward. So Corbin, key matchups. We've kind of alluded to one already. And then I think there's one obvious one as well that I'll discuss. What's your biggest key matchup here? between the Cardinals and the Seahawks Sunday at State Farm Stadium. I mentioned this on our Tuesday show and our Wednesday show. James Conner is one of my favorite running backs in the NFL. I I just love the way that he runs. I love the physicality, the tenacity, the ability to break tackles, to bull people over, to drive the pile. There's a reason the Pittsburgh Steelers were the team that drafted him. He is a Pittsburgh Steelers-style runner. And we just saw what Najee Harris and Jalen Warren did to this Seahawks run defense. I feel like my grandpa could have ran against them in this game, though. So you're putting James Conner in this game, a guy that I think – I mentioned this when we had our crossover before the first matchup. I thought that was a bigger deal than Kyler Murray not being out there for the Cardinals in that game. He just sets the tone. He is like Marshawn Lynch was for all those years – for the Seahawks. It feels like he is the engine of the offense for the Arizona Cardinals. And it it terrifies me going into this game, especially we don't know if Jordan Brooks is going to be back. He's dealing with an ankle injury. If Devin Bush has to play, yes, he had 17 tackles on Sunday, but uh, that's not good when you have that many tackles. And a lot of them were way downfield. There were several plays where he missed. They missed Jordan Brooks badly, and they were already not a good run defense with him on the field. And so I'm looking at the linebackers, but I still think Bobby Wagner is a really solid player. He's just getting no help. And I think at this point, he's just like, who's got my back? You know, who's who's going to help me out? So I, I think when you look at that linebacking group, especially if Jordan Brooks can't play and what the Cardinals are doing running the football, the fact you have to account for Kyler Murray's running ability, I'm looking at running backs versus the linebackers. And it just terrifies me. This has just been a really bad matchup for the Seahawks for about two months. And now they're going against a run game that has been as good as any in the NFL. Uh, That spells doom, in my opinion, unless the Seahawks magically start carrying on defense and and actually can tackle, which that will be a miracle if that happens this week. Yeah, and I think that's that's one for me where it's, you know, this entire year I've kind of spoken in the abstract where it's like, you need to find out if this stuff will work when you infuse the talent in specific spots. And one thing that the Cardinals have been able to do more times than not for the entire season is run the ball. James Conner missed a couple of games in the middle of the season, but even with Amari DiMarcado and Keontae Ingram, when he was here, you know, it, it, it's just, it's the concept. It's, it, you know, this very well in Seattle. Like there is no reason why anybody should know that DJ Dallas had like, there are so many names that the Seattle Seahawks had start at running back over the last decade that weren't starting running backs that performed like starting running backs. And it's the scheme. It's the scheme. And that's something that the Cardinals have dealt with this year, where it's not like a rock star uh, movie scenario. If you haven't seen rock star, I use this a lot where it's like, it doesn't matter who the lead singer is. 
you can have always have somebody jump in and it's going to sound the same. It's the same kind of thing with the running back room for the Cardinals this year, with James Conner obviously being the leader, uh, the leader of the group. And if the Cardinals can continue to do that, that is something that you'll be able to take away from the 2018 season, regardless if they win on Sunday or not, and be like, this is a focal point now. The Drew Petzing offense is working. Now let's build and get more talent infused in the interior of the offensive line, et cetera, to be able to maximize this moving forward in 2024. So that's a big one for me. And the other one for me that is going to keep me up proverbially at night before Sunday is the cornerback room versus the a million top-tier wide receivers that the Seahawks have. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is really coming on in the second half of his rookie year. DK Metcalf is an absolute stud. And Tyler Lockett, Tyler Lockett, consistent as gravity. And when you have guys like that, and you have cornerbacks that unless you work in this market, you probably couldn't name one. Marco Wilson's been cut, who is the CB1 de facto. The Cardinals have completely punted on adding cornerback talent this year, aside from drafting Garrett Williams, who is injured now. This is this could potentially be a bloodbath for the Cardinals secondary if they can't get to Geno Smith, which has been a problem because the pass rush is also non-existent. So that's the one for me where the Achilles heel for the Cardinals is the secondary on top of the pass rush. And that's the one for me where DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Jackson Smith and Jigman could absolutely eat on Sunday. And it would be an all-you-can-eat buffet. Yeah, and I would actually throw Jake Bobo's name in there too as another receiver (laughs) that's made a few plays this year. That is the one area that the Seahawks have a clear advantage going into this game. And Geno Smith, he is throwing dimes right now. The last three games, a QB rating of 102.4. He's got six touchdowns, one pick completing 65% of his passes. And he's been doing that behind an offensive line that just keep rotating dudes in because of injuries. Pittsburgh was able to get after him a bunch of times and they they got a strip sack on him. But otherwise, he was masterful getting out of the pocket. Geno Smith is not the problem in Seattle. And so getting him some time to throw the football, this Cardinals pass rush has not been good this year. If he has that time against his secondary, this is truly one of those games where it's a tug and pull type thing because the Cardinals, they're going to try to do what the Steelers did. Right. They're going to try to eat time of possession, keep Tito Smith on the sideline, keep DK Metcalf on the sideline. And then the Seahawks are going to be saying when they're on offense, we're going to try to get those shot plays opened up and hope we can run the football a little bit better than we did last week to complement that. And whoever is able to do that best is going to win this football game. I really think it's that simple in this game. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And I do want to touch on something you said about Pete Carroll. Let's do that in the next segment because past the victory, we pretty much just described that. Let's let's put a you know put a bow on that. And then I want to dive deeper into a couple bigger stories as we get out of here because it's week 18. These two teams are obviously playing for different things. Um, we don't know if Kyler Murray is going to play yet when we're recording this podcast. So um, it could be, you know, a couple different things at play here. I do want to hit, I do want to discuss Pete Carroll and other things as we move on here. Uh, Lockdown Crossover Thursday, Alex Clancy, follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Corbin Smith, follow him at Corbin Smith NFL. Uh, Pass the victory next. We roll on here. Crossover Thursday, Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of Crossover Thursday is brought to you by LinkedIn. Uh, It's New Year, man. Every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn Jobs isn't just a, another job board, man. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals that makes it you know, the best place to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows 
that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Oh, Corbin, dude, last segment of the last crossover episode for the 2023 regular season. Um, I am going to speak for Corbin because he's my bud and I'm not going to say anything crazy here. Thank you to everybody who followed both of our podcasts in 2023, who, you know, supports the Locked On Podcast Network. Um, wouldn't be able to do this without you. And uh, Corbin and I have been doing this for a long time together. We get to talk at least twice a year. Uh, and um, I'm really happy to share the stage with you, dude. And um, for all the listeners out there, thank you very much for for making this possible for us. Uh, 2024 Locked On is going to be bigger and better than ever. Do you have anything to say before we pivot here to Pat to victory? Uh, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for your statement there. I always enjoy our Seahawks-Cardinals matchups. And I feel like our show in a good way, it, it fits with what these matchups look like. We sometimes go down some really interesting rabbit holes, but that's what the Seahawks and the Cardinals do when they get together. Yeah, it's true. Like it's one of the, one of the main reasons why one of the only reasons why I miss Chandler Jones being on the Cardinals is because regardless of how bad the Cardinals were, Chandler Jones would always wreak havoc on Russell Wilson. Didn't matter if it was at CenturyLink at the time, or at State Farm Stadium, he was always that X-factor equalizer for the talent disparity any given year. So now we're pivoting to kind of like, what is the Seahawks offense going to look like for the next handful of years? The Jackson Smith and Jigba draft pick was fascinating to me because it seemed like they could have gone so many different ways, traded backs and like that, but they took the best wide receiver arguably in the draft that year. Like, And the Cardinals with trading back and then trading back up for Paris Johnson Jr. It's like two teams that are on completely different trajectories, building organization completely a different way. And we'll see what the next decade brings, but hopefully it'll be all wrapped up here with Locked On doing crossover Thursdays of Corbin Smith and Alex Clancy when the Cardinals do play. So Pat to victory. For me, this is what it's been all year. Win the turnover battle and stop opposing wide receivers. This cornerback room, has not been great. There have been flashes. Uh, Jalen Thompson and Baker over the top have helped, but the pass rush has pretty much been devoid of any sort of real substance after week five or week six, and the cornerbacks have just been on an island, and these guys are not meant to play the meaningful snaps that they are, and the Cardinals will add talent in there in 2024. But that's the path to victory is keeping DK Metcalf, Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, Tyler Lockett, and Jake Bobo under – what, 250 yards receiving, 275 yards receiving, 300 yards receiving, it could potentially be problematic if the Cardinals can't keep their offense on the field like the Pittsburgh Steelers did last week. Yeah, and that's, as I was mentioning earlier, this really is that pull and tug, that tug of war matchup because one team is going to be able to accomplish what they want to and the other one is not. It's going to be difficult for the Seahawks to you, you can't have a bunch of extra possessions and more opportunities if your defense can't get off the field. Right. So I'm looking at a couple factors. One, please, for the love of God, finish your tackles. I, I, th this might sound crazy, but 10 or fewer missed tackles, and that's still a lot, but like they had 15 last week. Let's make some baby steps there. Let's, let's get guys to the ground and let's get off the field and third down. You let Mason Rudolph 
and the Steelers offense convert almost 50% of their third downs. And that really looks worse when you consider they converted on fourth down a couple of times when they missed on third down. So they couldn't get off the field. 37 plus minutes time of possession for the Steelers. That cannot happen in this football game for the Seahawks. If the Cardinals have the ball for 37 minutes in this game, it is going to be a laugher. The Cardinals aren't just going to win. The Cardinals are going to win convincingly. The Seahawks have to get stops and they have to be able to get off the field so that Geno Smith can go out there. I don't want to say Geno's cooking because I, I'm tired of the word cook, but you need to let Geno light it up. And he can't do that if he's standing on the sideline with his stocking cap on. So let the offense have a chance to take over this game. The defense, it, it's everything for the Seahawks. If you want to make the playoffs, you got to win this game first and then hope you get the help from the Chicago Bears. That ain't going to happen if you cannot get off the field and make tackles in the run game in particular. Yeah, all of that is true. And we'll see what happens on Sunday. I do want to take the last couple of minutes here because the Cardinals seem to have their future set as much as the future can be set. Obviously, you know, there's so many more questions to answer at this point. It seems like they have their head coach and their GM for the future. That culminated in week 17, not because of the win itself by any stretch. This isn't glorifying one win in a lost season in the win-loss department. This was the culmination of all the little steps put together in an effort to see what this team could be like with Kyler Murray healthy and things humming, regardless of having the talent level to be able to compete in the NFL or not. They beat a team with Super Bowl aspirations on the road in the early morning slate, and they were the best team on the field the majority of the time. And that's what the Cardinals have momentum-wise going into next season, regardless of what happens in Week 18. Now, for the Seahawks, if they lose to the Cardinals – which, let's be honest, would be catastrophic for the Cardinals, even though it's a great win momentum-wise. And you know what? I always say, have your team win always because you never know what's going to happen in the draft. You have no idea. You can't plan the future. But if the Cardinals win, is that the pink slip for Pete Carroll? I don't even know if I want to use the word pink slip because I don't, I don't think the Seahawks would fire Pete Carroll. I really don't. But I've been talking about this the last couple of days. I wrote a almost 2000 word article discussing this. Like, as I mentioned earlier, Pete Carroll teams, they don't quit. And we saw them quit on defense on Sunday. Now, how do they respond here? Does Pete Carroll change some guys out of the lineup and say, Hey, I'm still the boss. I'm still in charge. Maybe that gets some things rolling for this team in the season finale. But I absolutely think that this is going to be, whether they win this game or not, whether they make the playoffs or not, I think that there is going to be a difficult discussion that is going to be had about the future of this team, because this is the way that I look at it, Alex. If you want Pete Carroll to still be here, and I still think Pete Carroll's a very good football coach, but if he is going to be coming back for another season, you cannot have him hire another defensive coordinator internally. He has to be willing to get a proven coordinator that is going to be able to run his defense and bring him in. And that's hard for a defensive coach like Pete Carroll who wants to use his philosophy, but this team has been God awful on defense for more than half a decade. The Legion of boom feels like it was 40 years ago, but this defense has just been so bad the last couple of years under Clint hurt. I don't know that it's all his fault, but they're going to have to make a change there. The question is, is that going to be enough? Because you've seen Pete Carroll hire three different coordinators that came off of his own staff and none of them have lasted more than a couple of years because the results have not been there. And so right. until he is willing to say, hey, I to keep my job, I'm willing to do this, to bring somebody in with fresh ideas, 
I don't even know if that is going to be enough. That is just the oddest reality. And sometimes, sometimes it's just time to hit the reset button and you want to do it respectfully. If you're going to do that, because Pete Carroll is an icon. He is a legend. He is a future hall of famer in my opinion, but all good things have to end at some point. And I wouldn't want to see his reputation get sullied a few years from now when they continue to be mired in mediocrity. They have not won a playoff game since 2019. They haven't advanced past the divisional round since 2014. Yeah, they've been competitive. They've gotten in the playoffs, but have they really been a threat? No. And so all of that reflects on Pete Carroll right now. I don't know if if moving on from him, asking him to walk away, parting ways, I don't know if that is the right solution. And certainly there's risk to that. You know as the coaching carousel goes in Arizona. Uh, you could move on from Pete Carroll and make one bad hire and then suddenly you're mired in a 10-year stretch like the 90s again for the Seahawks. So there's risk to it. But at the same time, you got to wonder, can they get back to that championship level now with Pete Carroll? And, and I think there's reason to wonder whether that's the case or not. So that's where things stand right now. I think everything is on the board for this football team. See, Cardinals fans, every team has problems. And when you look at the little things that are going right for the Cardinals, positioning themselves for the future that is bright, other teams are dealing with, yes, bigger problems with bigger ramifications. What the Cardinals did this season was an absolute hard reset. And what other teams may have to go through, the Arizona Cardinals just did. And these are things that are going to position themselves for potential success in the future. And I know that the Seahawks have won a lot more than the Cardinals have. Yeah, go ahead. And I'll say this. I don't think the Seahawks need to do a hard reset necessarily. Okay. With, with I don't think they need to blow everything up. You just had two really good draft classes. Mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of 12s don't agree with me. I think Geno Smith is still a really, really good quarterback. Like, I don't think the quarterback thing is a problem. Like, I'd have no issue with drafting a guy at that position this year. But, like, do you think things are set up for a rookie QB to come in here right now and be able to thrive? I certainly don't. I think Geno Smith is the guy that needs to be understood. I mean, they've got pieces to be really good. I'm just wondering if, if they're not able to connect with Carroll the same way. And sometimes things just get a little bit stale. So yeah. that would be my argument. I don't think they need to do what the Cardinals did, where they just need to just, for the most part, blow everything up. Right. I think John Schneider's job is, is safe. He's done a really good job. Uh, but I, I do think the coaching situation is something worth monitoring here. Yeah, no, and I and, and let me clarify. I was not saying that it mirroring the situations. I'm saying what the Cardinals have done has allowed them to see more clearly in the future. And you're right, like the the Seahawks have a very good roster on paper, especially offensively. You know, they've they've got and Geno Smith is good for him. I mean, it's one of the best stories in the last 50 years in football. A dude that made. 13 or 14 million dollars in his first 10 years and then now gets a starting job gets a role and 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 you know he's he's keeping his job so yeah i mean but the cardinals it's just it's nice to hear some introspection from you about another organization just to give cardinals fans some understanding that it's it's, it's everybody it's everybody everybody's dealing with problems and what you need to be able to do is maximize your time frame to be able to be great and i think the cardinals are positioning themselves with that who knows what the hell is going to happen? Nobody knows. The NFL could implode in three years and we could all be out of it. We have no idea. But for now, all you can do is see what the future pacing looks like and just take your opinions based upon it. Alex Clancy, Corbin Smith, that is a wrap for us for the 2023 season for Crossover Thursday. But you'll be able to see Corbin and myself on our respective podcast tomorrow ahead of Sunday's matchup in week 18.
We will talk to you on our respective podcast tomorrow.